ideas are a dime a dozen and execution rules the world. Like the, the most successful ideas guys aren't the most successful entrepreneurs. This is The Playbook. This is Dave Meltzer with The Playbook. I'm live here at the Wynn Hotel in the lobby with Blue Wire Studios. And I am so excited because I got my boy Aaron Wagner here. And we have so much in common. He is the managing partner of Wags Capital. He is what I call an ultrapreneur. Uh, Aaron, welcome to The Playbook. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate you having me, man. And I love that term, by the way. Last time you used that. I like, I totally ripped it off. I use it all the time. That's awesome because you are. And I, I want to start with, you know, a guy that we both know because as an entrepreneur, I, I think he represents what, what I faced the rest of my life. And I hated the dude. His name was Gary Echeverry. He, he, he was my defensive coordinator, but he also ironically was your football coach. You were a professional football player. Yeah. You played in college at a real college, not Occidental. Um, but Etch was no nonsense. And he did not give you yes for an answer. And when you did your best and performed well, it wasn't good enough. 100%. Those type of lessons that you learned from playing college and professional football, I've seen you carry over. You're not even 40 years old yet. Uh, you have more businesses than even I do, which is hard <laughs> to beat. You have more money than I have, which is also hard to beat, but not quite as hard. And then more importantly, though, where did that mindset for you happen? It was for Coach S for me because I was kind of a softer, I mean, a hard football player, but I was softer on my, my feelings. Yeah. And did you have, you know, that type of transition or were you always kind of, I don't care what anyone thinks, I'm just going to make this happen? Yeah, to be honest with you, I think um, most of that actually just came at a young age, like in my childhood. My, um, my parents, you know, they're both entrepreneurs but in all reality, kind of like failure entrepreneurs, good at startup, <laughs> terrible at execution. And so I saw a lot of started and failed businesses. And what I also saw during that, which is one of the most admirable traits I learned from my dad, is just this crazy resiliency, you know, uber optimism. And so to me, um, I think that's where I like, it just almost became innate that it was like bad stuff happens and you get kicked in the teeth, but there's not another option. You just go. And you have children. I have tons of children. I have seven <laughs> children. But one thing we know as parents is that, like, our kids just believe us. When we tell them, you know, they come into the world, we tell them the sky's purple, they believe the sky's purple. And you show them, and then that's all they know. And so growing up, seeing my parents do this over and over and over again, I just didn't really know any other way of, like, life's tough, and you just keep going. And so, you know, that made it easier that made it a lot easier in football, made it a lot easier in business, made it a lot easier in life. But it's not always easy, it's which not. is right, because yeah. it's a mindset that it's not going to be easy. And it's easy for people, though, to look at you and tell you, hey, I knew you could do it. You know, all, all the great things they say about you today. And of course, it's easy for you now, you know, Aaron, you know, you can do whatever you want and you can mitigate risk and you have the capital to do this. You didn't always have that. And there was a lot of years that years with pressures of being married with children uh, that you may not have had the ease of decision-making and the ease of profit. And, and I know what that's like twice in my life. Yeah. Uh, and I know when it got hard and when it was easy, what are the best pieces of advice that you can give someone to have the patience beyond just that persistence of, I, I know that I have no other choice, but this is going to happen. It's not going to happen the way that I think, yeah. but, but it's going to happen. What were some of the framing that you did or mindset things or just hard work things that you did when, you know, you're like, shit, 
I may not make this. <laughs> well, I mean, I had an experience really early in life when I was actually in the eighth grade. I was playing volleyball. It was my favorite sport, and I was sports sport. They all overlapped. And I was supposedly the, the returning player from the previous team, and I came in, and some of the other players were wondering on the third day when the coach was going to make the rest of the cuts. And so they asked me, because I was the confident, you know, supposed leader of the team, hey, when's coach going to make the rest of the cuts? And so after that practice, I actually asked my coach. I said, hey, coach, when are you guys going to make the rest of the cuts? And so she gathered everybody together, and she said, everybody close your eyes, and I want everybody that wants the rest of the cuts to happen today to raise their hand. And so we all closed our eyes. I raised my hand, and one other player that was on the team previous as well, we were kind of the captains, we raised our hands. She said, open your eyes, and whoever's raised their hands, cut. And I was just blown away. I mean, honestly, I was devastated. I went home. I cried like crazy. It sounds silly now, but, like, this was my life. This was my everything. So I thought my life was over. It was terrible. And I'm, I remember walking up the stairs, eighth grade, and I'm bawling my eyes out, and I kind of stopped at the landing, and I started just, you know, pouting and crying. My mom came over and rubbed my back, and, and I remember putting her hands through my hair, and she said, Aaron, I know this feels like the worst thing in the world that could ever happen to you, but everything happens for a reason. And at the time, obviously, I just, yeah, right, Mom, you don't know shit, you know? Like, but um, I didn't have anything to do for the next couple of weeks. And my little brother was playing this sport that nobody really knows about in, in Canada because we all play hockey up there, and it's called football. And I was bored out of my mind, so I started attending his practices and standing on the sideline, and balls had come over, and I'd throw them back. And after a week, coach was like, hey, do you want to run some plays, you know? And then all of a sudden I started playing football and I was, ended up being pretty decent at it. And there was no way for me to get out of Canada other than, you know, going like my, my future was pumping gas or working in the oil fields, being a rig pig. And so for me, now I had this opportunity where I was able to be recruited, come to the United States on a full football scholarship and live the American dream. And that parlayed from, you know, playing college football at the highest level and then playing the NFL, playing pro football for a number of years. And I remember looking back when I walked out on my first pro field and just it struck me so deeply that day sitting on the stairs crying and my mom just, you know, rubbing my head saying, Aaron, everything happens for a reason. And so to answer your question, I don't think it's so much about patience as it is about attitude and perspective. And so for me, I had that perspective then I realized that when stuff gets hard, when it's the hardest, it's probably the best thing that's happening in your life because just like heat forges diamonds, that's what it takes. And so for me, now when things get really difficult, that's when I really just have to like dig deep and say, this, I know this is going to be the best growth opportunity for my life, even though it still sucks, yeah. right? And so people sometimes say patience, and I understand that thought process, but I actually think patience is super overrated. I think it's mindset. I think it's attitude and it's perspective. And then everything else is like, you just got to make stuff happen. You got to will it to happen. Yeah, it's amazing because so many of the people I have on this show and the other things that I do and friends of mine, the people I like to share my life with, have that same faith that, hey, look, when it gets really hard, it's here to promote me totally. and propel me to something better, not punish me. 100%. And you felt punished in the eighth grade. And I could <laughs> feel the emotion as you were talking about sitting on that sideline because there's so many moments in my life I'm like, man. Like even sitting in the studio, right? Yeah. I think about that day I had to tell my mom I lost her house, right? I think about what it felt like that she had to move out, 
and I look today where I'm at, right? I'm like, yeah. And she said very similar, like, are you okay? Like, yeah. No worries. Like, do you need any money? It'll be fine. Yeah. Everything happens for a reason. The same exact mom. And, you know, here I am. I look up here and go, thank goodness that yeah. I have that mindset. Um, now, there's a next step when you have that mindset is things start going well. Yeah. And you've handled that a lot better than I had when I was in my 30s, <laughs> which I, I love about you. And as a dad as well. And your, your kids carry the spirit of excellence. Thank but you. one of the more difficult things when you're successful is making decisions about how to grow or even maintain. Now, it's very difficult for people like you and I just to be stable and say, impossible. I got enough. Impossible. Impossible. So now we have to make decisions to where to put our efforts, our money, all these different things. And one of the things I love about you is you have this innate ability to see opportunity where no one else does. And I, I pride myself on this. And some of the businesses you're in, I'm like, how did I not see that? Like, <laughs> or, or take action to, to do that because sure. I'm promoting this. I'm teaching this. And this guy is like walking me around his huge WAGS capital facility. He's like, oh, here's the stem cell research. Here's my Carter <laughs> thing. Here's this. I'm like, here's the cookie box or whatever else yep. you're doing, and the app. You know? And I'm going, wait a second. How is he seeing it? And never more is it important to be able to find opportunity where other people can't. Totally. For you, what do you look for or how does that analytical process go? If I'm sitting here and, you know, showing you my business and all of a sudden you're looking at a piece of it going, I don't really care about the business, but I like the box yeah. and, and tons of people want that box and yeah. I'm going to start a box business. So the, the funny thing for me is that like, I feel like growing up, my dad, he was this great ideas guy. And so part of me was fixated that an entrepreneur was a great ideas guy. And what I learned was that ideas are a dime a dozen and execution rules the world. Like the, the most successful ideas guys aren't the most successful entrepreneurs. There's literally graveyards full of good ideas. And so I got this, I got this, I had this notion that I was like, look, I don't have to be ultra creative. I can, I have some creative abilities, but what I do need to be is just an incredible executor. And so what I started doing was I started shutting up a little bit more and listening. And when people were bringing me ideas, and by the way, when I started my, my investment firm, I made a promise to myself that I would never not look at an opportunity. And, um, and that gets very difficult to do to this day, obviously, because we get inundated with people who want to pitch. <laughs> and now after this podcast, there right. we go again. <laughs> but, but with that being said, um, I, now I have a screening process. Cool, I'll still look at it, but you have to send this, this, and this in an email. And that honestly filters out 80%. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right? So, Just um, ask for a business plan, plan, you get out 80%. Let me get a deck. <laughs> Crickets, right? Yeah. So, so I started doing that, and, and from there, I was able to just learn kind of this process of execution, and, and, and that really is what I've learned has, has taken me to the next level because there's just so many people that want to have a good idea and throw a business together, and I, I'm not that guy. I'm not that creative. So for me, I listen to people, and my confidence over time, I know this sounds petty and it sounds shallow, but I started telling myself at a very young age, if he can do it, I can do it better. And it came from sports. That confidence came from sports. And it's just parlayed into the rest of my life. And the fact is, is you believe what you tell yourself. And so for me, I started telling myself, if he can do it, I can do it better. And so when people started showing me business ideas, I, in my mind, right away wasn't saying, well, I want to reinvent this. I was just saying, I can do that better than him. And, and that didn't necessarily trans, translate into you know, copying or ripping off the idea 
or starting my own company, most of the time it actually just translated into partnering with that person and then bringing my skill sets of, of optimizing a, you know, a process or a product or, um, or just scaling it. And so that's really what I've done in most of the business opportunities. I've just seen you know, an artist, a restaurateur, uh, a software geek that's just like, hey, I got this great idea and my execution's just kind of fumbling and then I can just come in and add that other part. And I've learned that, man, you were, you were compensated very well for just being really good at executing. You don't have to be the ideas guy. You don't have to be the genius. Ray Kroc. Yeah, I'm, I'm just not that guy. executor of all time, yeah. right? Billionaire. 100%. The man actually executed the fact that he bought the right to be called a founder. 100%. is a branding tool. It's a, it amazing. Is. I, I will tell you, I was with the founder of Netflix, and Mark, and he said, uh, there are no good ideas, Dave. Every idea when it starts is a bad idea. You got to make it into a good idea. Yeah. And you're the guy who makes those bad ideas because you can't execute on it. It's just a bad idea. It can't materialize. It's- Even businesses, people are like, oh, I have this great business. I'm like, every business I've ever looked at is broken somewhere. Of course. And almost every person that I've ever met that started a company, and this was the, you know, the primary thesis, it evolved. Any, any successful company didn't, didn't end up where it started. They changed, they evolved. And so you have to be dynamic. You have to be a great solutions person. And I think that's just all part of that execution ability. And so I know it sounds like a, like a broken record, but to it's me, great. that's the key to business. And another key that you do really well, and you mentioned it about how we screen off. Because I, I give everyone five-minute phone calls in 20-minute meetings. Yep. And I'm like you, very accessible. But I also know the paperclip theory, which was told to me a long time ago. And every time I say this, people send me paperclips. <laughs> but when people have requests of me, I'll say, I'll be more than happy to do that. Send me a paperclip. 99% of the people won't send a paperclip, even a business plan. There you right? go. Because I used to think, well, it's not fair. If they need help with a business plan, then I, I should be at least, hey, I don't have a business That's plan. True. Will you help me? So I, but I wanted that distinction of someone that will institute the law of Goya. Yeah. Get off your ass. Do something. And the interesting thing is that you're very active like I am, but you're not busy. See, a busy person wouldn't be here in the studio because they're unaccessible and because they have to go with their uh, family on vacation for Thanksgiving yeah. tomorrow morning. Yeah. But you find a way to do it. And you've done, I'm sure, today your business, your health stuff. Yeah. Uh, and, and you'll go back and spend all your family stuff. What do you think that distinction is of people that, you know, get everything done? You know, and you, I mean, you have some of the coolest kids and coolest stuff. Thank and, you. And you know, a cool life like mine. Like I, yeah. I, I love people that just you know you'll see them on a, on a sideline on Sunday, right, at the Chargers Sunday night game, and I'm yeah. here, and you see me in Portugal, and then you see me, yeah. And there's nothing special about it. It's not because I have. I did it when I had no money. Totally right. And so, what do you think that difference is of the person that sends the paperclip, yeah, <laughs> and the guy that talks about, I want this, but isn't even willing to send a paperclip. That's, that's a great question. I I think for me, um, a lot of people. When we see people not executing, not taking the step, not doing what, what we would expect or what we would do, sometimes we just label them as lazy or unambitious. Um, what I've learned about a lot of those people, including all these people that are like jealous or people that are haters, people yeah. talk about those kind of people all the time. Um, we kind of label them like almost with a vile or condescending label. But I think at, at, the, at the basis of all this actually is just lack of confidence. I 100% believe, like, I don't believe jealousy is a vile emotion. I think that 
anybody that's jealous just doesn't believe in themselves to be able to do or have what they see that other person they're jealous of. And, and quite frankly, if they did, even if they're not there, like I see people all the time that have shit or are doing shit that I wish and want to be doing, but there's not one ounce of me that's like, it feels negative. Right. I just feel inspired because I have so much confidence in myself that I can figure out a way to have it or do it. And I feel like if people had that kind of confidence, they would never feel jealousy. They would never be scared. They would never have not get off their ass and send the bit. They would do all that, but if you ask them to do that, and now all of a sudden there's a connection there that they have to fulfill on, that's scary for them because they might not be good enough and they don't believe it, right? So I feel like the best thing that people can do, people always ask me like, hey, where do I start as an entrepreneur? Where do I start as a business owner? And I say, you start on yourself. You make sure that you have, you have self-confidence, that you, you believe in yourself enough to do it. Because you can fake it, just fake it till you make it, but you're going to hit a place where somebody's going to ask you to actually come through and you're not going to be able to fulfill because you don't, you don't believe it. And you don't have to have it figured out or perfect. No entrepreneurs that I know that are successful do, but they believe in themselves. And that belief is so important. And you and I deal with a lot of people that are asking for money. And it's interesting, you know, when people don't know what to ask for or whatever, then in my mind, I was like, you don't believe. If you don't know how to ask for money, totally. then you don't believe that you're going to make me more money than I'm, you're asking for. How about this premise of don't do business with friends and family? To me, that's insane. <laughs> yeah, that means you know why? That tells me, one, you plan on ripping somebody off, so you don't want to do it with your friends and family, so you're a fraud. Or, you, again, you don't have enough confidence in your execution to be able to win for those people so you'd rather do with strangers because I can ask you, I can, I guarantee that if we ask a hundred people right now that five years ago, if they knew Bitcoin was going to be worth $70,000 a coin and they had that introspect, would they go tell their friends and family or would they go tell, yeah, yeah. or would they go, yeah. <laughs> or would they go tell random strangers? They're going to go tell their friends and family. So, so if you analogy. know that you can win for your people, you're not going to win for random people. You're going to win for your friends and your family. And so it's the same thing. It's like, this whole like, oh, well, I don't, I don't know if I want to do business. with. I tell people all the time, get to a place like me when I raise money, and I raise a lot of money. Yeah, you do. From I me too. I don't, I don't <laughs> ask anybody for money ever. You know what I tell them? I'm doing this deal. I'm 100% going to do the deal. Whether you're involved or not, I'm so stoked. I'm so excited. I'm going to win on this deal. And, man, I love doing business with people I enjoy. That's my end goal is to wake up in the morning, and I can't tell if I'm doing work or play because it's with all the same people and the exciting things I want to do. <laughs> so if that's where I want to be, this is where I'm doing. This is the deal I'm, I'm doing. Do you want to come with me? I just invite people to participate in winning with me. That is way better than asking people for money. That means you are a celebrator, not a celebrity. Man, we were talking about how short this podcast was, and <laughs> now I'm really bummed because I made you fly. I didn't make you. Don't, know. I you never didn't. made you. you I, I was excited. To you're amazing, that. and we're going to do this again. we got more cool. stuff to do together, and I will tell you as a point of fact, uh, when I walked around and learned about the different opportunities that you're involved with, I must have offered three times <laughs> for investment in three different things, and the man never asked me once. Never asked me once to just show me different projects that I was so impressed with, and yes, I know that you must be what you can be. That's why you always Thanks, be a man. friend close to my heart and someone that everyone should look up to and uh, learn from. Aaron Wagner, he is the managing director of Wags Capital. He is a dear friend now and soon to be even closer friend. 
What an impressive entrepreneur. He is the ultrapreneur. <laughs> That's him right there. And Wagner, thanks for joining me. This is David Meltzer here at Blue Wire Studios at the Wynn Hotel right here in the lobby with The Playbook.